All right, our topic this morning is memory, remembering. If we have no memory, we drift. Because memory is the thing that uh, anchors us to the past. It also interprets the present. And it charts a course for the future, points the way home. That's what memory does for us, as we'll see in the scripture. Shall we pray together? Our Father, give us ears to hear. Give us uh, hearts to receive your holy word. Prepare the soil of our hearts so that it's soft and arable and the seed of your word can penetrate and, and grow and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. If we have no memory, we drift. Consider the case of Jimmy. Jimmy's story is told by Dr. Oliver Sacks, who was a, a brain scientist, and he dealt with unusual cases of uh, problems with the brain. Uh, this story took place back in 1975. Jimmy uh, came to see Dr. Sachs because uh, his friends and his family said that he can't remember anything. So Jimmy came into the room and he said, he was very cheerful, very, very outgoing. Hiya, Doc, how you doing? Do I take this, uh, you, want, you want to talk to me? Do I take this seat over here? And he sat down and they started talking. And uh, Dr. Sachs began to probe his memories. He was uh, 40-something years old, but his memory stopped, 1975, at the end of World War II. Jimmy had been in the Navy. He was stationed on a sub. He had very vivid memories. He could still remember Morse code. But that's where his memories stopped. He thought Truman was president. He thought no one had been to the moon. He thought the periodic table ended with uranium. He could not remember anything, literally, more than a few minutes in the past. Dr. Sachs asked him, how, how old are you, Jimmy? He said, I'm 19. And he showed him a mirror. And there's a middle-aged, grizzled, kind of gray man. And, and Jimmy kind of freaked out. Like, what, what is this? Who is this? What, what is, what's this? Are, you, are you hypnotizing me? What is this? He, he just was losing it. So Dr. Sachs calmed him by taking over, him over to a window in his big clinic. And it overlooked a park. And there were kids playing a ball down in the park. And Dr. Sachs removed the bewitching mirror came back in a few minutes later. Jimmy wheeled around. Hiya, Doc, you wanted to talk to me? Do I take this seat over here? Dr. Sachs said, I had never encountered, I had never even imagined such a power of amnesia. The possibility of a pit into which everything, every experience, every event, would fathomlessly drop. The staff at the uh, clinic where Sachs worked referred to Jimmy as a lost 
soul. Because without memory, we have no anchor to the past. We are not able to interpret the present. We're not able to chart a course for the future. Now, in the Bible, memory is much more than cognitive recall. It's more than that. It's not less than that. It includes a cognitive element like, oh, I can't remember your name, or you know, don't forget to pick up milk on the way home. But it's more than that in the Bible. For example, the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It means to, to, to uh, act toward me, to favor me, bless me, not just uh, recall this incident. Hannah prayed in the Old Testament for a child. Fervently, with tears, she prayed and prayed. And the Bible says, and then the Lord remembered her. She became pregnant. Remember the Ten Commandments, or one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It means to behave in a certain way, doesn't it? Based on cognitive uh, uh, knowledge and input. Galatians 2, verse 10 says, Remember the poor. Favor the poor. Bless the poor. And even in English, we still have uh, some of these connotations. It, it, it's, uh, the word remember, mostly we, we, it has just a cognitive uh, meaning. But, but even in English, we say things like the little girl that's at the birthday party and they're handing out party favors. Ooh, 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 ooh. And she says, ooh, remember me, remember me. The company at Christmas gives its employees gifts at Christmas. The company remembers its employees. And so that's the kind of memory we see in the Scripture, this kind of memory that anchors us to the past. We need that kind of memory to be remembered. <laughs> we're, we're fragmented and disconnected and amputated, and we need to be put back together again. And that's what the um, Scripture talks about when it speaks of memory. Without that, as I say, we tend to drift. We tend to drift. Look at these warnings in Scripture about drifting from, from God. Hebrews, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children, to their children after them. Be careful. Do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he has made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands. This seems to be the natural uh, inclination of the heart, forgetting, 
drifting, kind of hard-hearted, like whatever. We get so caught up in the, the here and now and the day-to-day grind and me. And, it's a, and be careful. Do not forget. Do not drift from this covenant, this kingly, kingly, sovereign, uh, subject relationship, blessing and obedience. And be careful. Don't drift. The, uh, the story of Charles Darwin comes to mind. Darwin was raised in a traditionally Christian home in Victorian England. And um, for a while he considered entering the ministry as a gentlemanly profession. Uh, decided not to do that and he looked into various uh, employments, studying for law. Well, then he took a world uh, journey on the HMS Beagle, and uh, he studied as a naturalist, as a natural philosopher studying nature. That's where he first started to develop his theory of natural selection. You know, that, that eventually became the theory of evolution. Because he believed that the earth had uh, developed gradually and very slowly over vast epochs, vast, uh, today it's much vaster, but for him vast epochs of time, this led him to doubt the creation story in Genesis, you know, created in six days. Eventually that led him to reject the entire Old Testament, especially the miraculous stuff. That led him eventually to reject the Gospels because these were supposedly eyewitness accounts, but there were discrepancies in how the story is told. And he just sort of drifted away from his traditionally Christian upbringing. In his own autobiography at the end of his life, I gradually came to disbelieve in Christianity as a divine revelation. Disbelief crept over me at a very slow rate, but at last, it was complete. The rate was so slow, I felt no distress. And so the Bible warns us, be careful, do not forget. Now, in contrast to our tendency to drift and prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, right? Can I get a witness on this? Am I right? Is the Bible right on this? In contrast to that, uh, the Bible presents God as steady and consistent and his, he remembers us in the full-orbed sense of cognitive recall and emotion. His heart is with us, and he acts in our benefit. He remembers us. He doesn't drift. He's steady. His eye is on us. His face is toward us. His hand is on us for those people who are in the covenant in this covenant relationship. One thing he remembers is our trials. Remembers in the full-orbed sense. He feels with, he enters into our trials, like Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. 
All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. All day long they injure my cause, and their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps. You have kept count of my tossings. You have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Here the psalmist was persecuted, right? They're lurking. They're after me all day long, all day long, all day long. You know. You know my tossings. I can't sleep at night back and forth and up and down. And ch- you know. You have put my tears in your bottle. Interesting image, interesting image. In the ancient world, uh, they've discovered, like archaeologists have discovered, uh, little vials, little bottles, some of them very ornate, and they're, they're, they're just this big, but they're, they have sort of a, a fluted shape at the top, and they would catch their tears and then seal it up as airtight as they could make it and then keep that as a memorial, as a reminder, as a a memento. And what does the Bible say? You have taken my tears and put them in your bottle. He knows my name. He knows. He sees each tear that falls. And hears me when I call. You've written down my trials and my struggles. You, you, you got a book. You got a book. It's a big book. You, you keep a record, a memorial. You remind yourself, God, if using a language we can understand. That's the God we worship. He became a man. Although he went about doing good, no one recognized him. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. At the end of his life, they trumped up these charges about him, and they lied about him, subjected him to this kangaroo court the witnesses couldn't even agree on anything you know the story he knows he hears he sees he's with us we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our own infirmity but we do have a high priest who has gone through all this stuff and more than you and I have gone through You ever been lied about? It's, 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 it's no fun. One time I was, uh, I was at a stoplight 
And uh, I was started to turn right on the light, but whew, whew, traffic was coming, so I stopped. I, I was going like, you know, three miles an hour. And the guy behind me, I guess, didn't see me, and boom, he hit my bumper. You know how these things happen. But you also know that bumpers are made out of plastic, right? So it cracked my bumper, and it was raining. It was raining, raining, cats and dogs. And we pulled off to the side, and we tried to find some shelter, and we exchanged... Uh, you know, in, in, uh, insurance information, you know how you're supposed to do that. And it was just raining, so he had a, a big truck, so we kind of stuck our heads inside the truck, and I was holding my uh, registration card so he could write everything down. I was just trying to help out. Well, a couple days later, the state police called me and said, uh, Mr. Arthurs, we understand that uh, you were in an accident recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we understand that you refused to give your information to the other person refused to give the information. I was like helping him. I, I, he didn't have a pencil. I was loaning him a pencil. And, and I was flabbergasted. I was like, no, I, no, I help a, a pencil. <laughs> you ever been lied about? This is what they did to Jesus. And when he was reviled, he did not revile back again. But he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Oh yeah, he puts our tears in his bottle and he writes our sorrows in his book. He remembers Our trials are not an indication that he has forgotten us. Our trials are not an indication that he is drifting from this covenant that he's made. His covenant is a solemn promise. It is a binding oath. And he sticks with it. And he's true to it. He remembers the covenant that he made, the promise he made. I will be your God. I will watch over you. I will carry you safely into the promised land and beyond. Here's the covenant that he made with the Israelites. They groaned in their slavery. They cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God, look at the, the synonyms here. He heard their groaning. He remembered their covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he saw them and God knew. Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Well, theoretically, I suppose it's possible, though it would be very bizarre. But even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. On the palms of his hands. There's some names. There's, there's, there, it, says, uh, it says Abraham and Sarah. And how they had to depart from their home country, their, their own people, their own language group. They went to a far country and they just 
lived as sojourners. They lived in tents. God made that covenant with them, and that covenant persists even to this day. And their trials were not an indication that he had forgotten them. There was a guy named Joseph. God wrote his name, Joseph. But you remember what his brothers did to him. They were jealous of him. They threw him in a a pit, a a dried-up cistern. He couldn't get out. It's steep walls. Along, Along came a caravan. They sold their brother as a slave. And God knew it and saw it and he heard his groaning and he remembered this solemn promise to be with him. And then there were a couple of uh, ladies, uh, one older lady, one younger lady. Uh, Both of them were widows. Uh, Their names were Naomi and Ruth. Ruth wasn't even in the covenant. She was a foreigner. She was from another country called Moab. But God grafted her in, and she became part of the covenant. And then we jump up to the, uh, to the New Testament times, and there was a fellow, his name was Stephen. Do you remember the story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr? He's preaching about Jesus. He believes in Jesus. Everyone followed Jesus, the Messiah. They killed him. They stoned him to death. You know what stoning was like? They didn't just throw little pebbles at you. It was capital punishment. They had big rocks and they throw them at you and hit the back of your neck and crack your skull. And God knew. And God remembered. And we jump up to the 1950s and the 60s and the 70s and the believers behind the Iron Curtain persecuted for their faith. And today the believers in... uh, in the Middle East, persecuted, and God hears their groaning, and he sees their trials, and he hears their prayers, and he remembers. You are still my children, and I will carry you safely out of this life into my kingdom. And all of our names are written there, and the believers of this church Your name is written on the palms of his hands. We sing about this in some of our great hymns. One of them is, uh, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. One of the verses says, His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. So he has remembered us, and he has remembered us primarily through his son Jesus, who came among us, identified with us, walked among us, and died for our sins to transport us safely into his eternal kingdom. And so, when we remember that God remembers us, we walk in hope and joy, even in the midst of our trials. 
probably have to put quotation marks around the word joy because it's not a happy, giddy kind of, but, but there, there is a, there's, a, there's a river of contentedness and a river of trust that runs through it underneath a subterranean river. Even in our trials, there's a hope and a joy for the Christian. Our bodies decay. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Our bodies decay, but we remember that God has remembered us in Jesus Christ. And because He was raised, we shall rise. Satan haunts us with our past failures, our sins, our mistakes, the stuff that we've done in the past. But then we remember that God has remembered us in Jesus Christ. And our sins, which were like scarlet, you know, bright red that today we might translate like a neon sign, our sins, he pulled the plug. And he has forgiven us our sins in Christ. And so when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So we are secure in Christ, so we walk in hope and joy. Of course, this doesn't mean that we have no trials. I I guess we've made that clear already uh, today in this message. It doesn't mean we have no trials. In fact, the opposite is probably closer to the truth. We have lots of trials. Lots of trials. This, doesn't, this covenant that he's made with us, it, it doesn't mean that tears never roll down our cheeks, but it does mean that if God is for us, who can be against us? It does mean that nothing can separate us from the love of God, the love of God in Christ, Jesus our Savior it does mean that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so we walk with hope and joy. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. Well, how about the parable of the tipping bird? Yes, the tipping bird. One of the great inventions of the modern age You've seen a tipping bird, haven't you? It, 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 this is its natural position, its center of gravity. This is, this is its normal thing. But when you, uh, when you uh, put a, a glass of water so that when it goes down, it, its, beak, its beak is actually like a, a, a sponge, and it absorbs water. And through capillary action, the water is drawn up uh, past the, the fulcrum into its... Uh, I guess it's belly here, the little test tube thing there, and and then what happens? The water evaporates, and the center of gravity shifts again, and capillary action takes it 
And some of you are wondering what I'm talking about. <laughs> Here's the parable. If I were Jesus, I would just say, you go figure it out. <laughs> in many ways, our natural condition in this world is bowed. Our bodies decay, our relationships fray. You know. But in that low condition, we are more likely to find water. The presence of God, the promise of God, and we remember. And we walk in hope. And even joy. And then what happens? <laughs> and so it goes. <laughs> we need to remember, don't we? We need reminders. That's why you came to church today. I'm not telling you anything new, am I? We tend to drift, right, check. God has made a covenant, check. Jesus knows our trials, check. We've come together to remember. Well, let's see if we can wrap this up with some concrete action steps, uh, some advice on you know how to how to remember. You might take the big idea of today's sermon as don't forget to remember. Do we have another slide? Yeah, don't forget to remember. And here's how you can do that. Speak. That is to say, rehearse, recount, recall, recite, repeat, remember out loud, tell and retell the old, old story. Do you do that? Do you have a, a place? Well, church is one place because we come together and we speak through singing. Doesn't Colossians talk about uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing in your heart and making melody? But there, there's a horizontal aspect as well as a vert, vertical horizontal aspect where we speak to one another. So one way to remember is to speak out loud, read scripture out loud, testify, listen to other people testify, sing, come to church. Are you part of a small group where you speak about your own trials and the faithfulness of God and you receive counsel? We speak. We also listen. We listen to each other. We listen to the Word. That's what you're doing right now. We listen to songs and sermons. We listen to each other. We listen to the inaudible, the still small voice, the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit uh, in our conscience. Remember that Jesus said He would send the Spirit to remind us of all things He has taught. C.S. Lewis put it this way, one must train the habit of faith by making sure that some of its main doctrines shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why 
Daily prayers and religious readings and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other belief will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So we listen. We speak and we listen. May I just insert here just a, a, a personal word uh, uh, for those of you whose church attendance is inconsistent? And I have no idea who I'm talking to, right, because I'm a visitor here. I just know if it's a typical church, you know, this is the way church is. So just as a pastorly, brotherly word, uh, my word for you is, uh, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how, how, how do you maintain your faith and walk with God and keep yourself encouraged? I don't know how you do it with this spotty attendance. And so you may want to consider upgrading these kinds of disciplines, as C.S. Lewis says, daily remembrance, a church attendance, or this kind of thing. Because we have to be reminded of what we already know. We speak, we listen, and we eat and drink. And of course, I'm referring there to the Lord's Supper, the primary, the supreme uh, uh, ceremony of remembrance that the Lord has given us. Now, if you're a typical church, next week, the first week of the month, you'll be celebrating communion. Is that the, the pattern that Grace Point is on? Okay, next week, don't forget. Don't forget to remember as you take that little piece of bread, that little cup of wine or juice, the body of Jesus broken, the blood of Jesus poured out for the remission of sins. I remember. More than just cognitive recall, not less than that, but there's emotion, there's a volition, there is a remembering. God has made a covenant. I have vowed my vow to believe in him and follow him in this covenant. It's good to be here today. I remember. So eating and drinking takes us back to Jimmy. You remember Jimmy from the intro to this message. Jimmy eventually was admitted into Dr. Sachs's uh, clinic, and he lived there. And Jimmy spent his days wandering the halls because he could never remember his way around. He was good at quick games of uh, tic-tac-toe and checkers, but he got lost at games like chess which demanded memory. And the staff spoke of him as a lost soul. Dr. Sachs diagnosed him with what is called Korsakov's syndrome. I don't know who Korsakov was, but our heart goes out to him or her. Korsakov's syndrome. And then Dr. Sachs happened to come across Jimmy one day as Jimmy was in the chapel of the clinic receiving Holy Communion. 
in Dr. Sachs's words, fully, intensely, quietly, in the quietude of absolute concentration, Jimmy entered and partook of Holy Communion. He was wholly held. There was no Korsakovs then. He was absorbed in an act of his whole being. He was remembering because memory anchors us to the past, shows us where we are in the present, and suggests a course for the future. So don't forget to remember. Speak, listen, eat, and drink. Heavenly Father, we do remember you and pray for your help in more memory, less drifting, with thanks that you remember us. Through Christ our Lord.